Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out that the world that you saw is just not it's, it's just not important anymore because suddenly the way to hire things is now before you. What do you mean we the, went down this road and we're where? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that sound a little elitist, huh? Uh, and what we are talking about is epic level gaming. Now, any of you who come to the uh, D&D 3.0, 3.5, whatever, probably knew about this thing called the Epic Level Handbook. And I just want to tell you that I don't agree with it. Not in a lot of regard. Now, some regards probably, but I'm saying is that the number one thing we, I want to mention right off the bat is Epic Level is not just more power. Okay. It's... Yeah, it's uh, it's not just you suddenly getting a plus twenty to your rolls instead of just a plus ten. Okay, it's about you being able to do things that mortal men just couldn't even dream about. You know, if your system allows you to succeed, if you roll a natural twenty on any task that you try to do, then you're probably not you know, you're not going to be able to make a distinction between epic level play and and that. You know, of course, that's one of the reasons why in in D and D, um, or I should say D twenty, they said is that a twenty, a natural twenty on a uh, skill check is not an automatic guarantee of success, and it was for because they wanted to, at some point, to make this distinction. So, uh, so the, that's the first thing is that you have to understand that we're not talking about the kind of gaming that. Is other gaming, you know, if if, if your idea of of, of D and D or or fantasy is basically going out and kicking in the door of the orc lair and going in and cleaning it out and and, and getting your and maybe getting yourself a a, a plus one uh, shield and some stuff, you know, it's, it's some gems or stuff like that, you're not. That's not epic level play. Okay, we are talking about high fantasy. But fantasy, including science fiction, whatever your game genre is, it's not low fantasy, it's not middle, it's high. So, Trap, can you explain what high fantasy is? Uh, high fantasy, where you have concepts such as very powerful spells, artifacts, fantastical mythical creatures, uh, not only just like, you know, not not on the level of like... Oh, orcs and maybe uh, a pixie here or there. We're talking like incredibly old and powerful dragons, angels and devils and demons and um, high-level creatures out of myth. Like, let, let's let's pick a couple of pantheons here. Like in J Japanese mythology, you have the Oni. You have the Rakshasa in Hindu myth. Like, I've mentioned Prahasta for the Maze World campaign. He is actually a part of the Hindu mythos. Um, mythical beings of such incredible power and locales that, if you were to say their names, they would evoke this feeling of just incredible power and history. Uh, let's see, real world location. Stonehenge. Everybody knows what Stonehenge is. They know the story behind it. They know that it was incredible and, and very prevalent in the whole druidic history. It just, high fantasy is, with a wave of the hand or a thought, your character has the power to make great changes to their immediate environment and possibly the campaign world. It is a concept where, what what's the term? Your characters walk the corridors of power because you are hobnobbing with beings that are just as the saying goes, above and beyond mortal men. Right. 
And, and sometimes you've gone through, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. You've gone through a transformative aspect yourself where you're no longer, you know, uh, things are hap- you know, happening with you that go beyond just your own personal aspirations. Uh, as example, uh, Dune, uh, when all of a sudden they found out that Muad'Dib actually was had become a killing word. The name of their leader could kill people using the weirding device. Yes. See that was that that to me is epic level. When your own the very words that you say can kill people without you meaning to. You know, um the character uh similar to that, uh is it is it Black Bolt? Uh, the uh, inhuman up on the moon. Yes. Where if he opens his mouth, basically, uh, you know, mountain ranges shatter. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been mute for most of his life. <laughs> well, it's not that he's mute. He just knows he can't talk. And so his wife, Medusa, is his translator. She speaks right. for him. Right. And there was one case where he uh, did open up his mouth and, and speak fully. Do you remember where it was? No, not really. It's been a long time since I've collected comics regularly. Okay, it was Dazzler. Dazzler oh. has the ability uh, is uh, has the ability to transduce sound into sound light, yeah. into light. And so she was a, so she basically was able to absorb his his voice directed at directly at her and then she was able to go into a black hole using the the light that she was able to emit to basically protect her from the crushing pressure and whatever that close to the black hole would have caused okay now what once she came out of it she basically she just burned it all out she wasn't able to do that again uh, it wasn't her normal state but she had basically for a very short period of time had gone to a different level had gone into the epic yes. you know and then but she she couldn't live there so she came back down and there's a lot of and there's stories about that sort of thing when that happens where at the end of it people end up going into very quiet lives usually retiring you know and uh you the and no one would ever know that they were that person because they don't even want to be reminded of it themselves Okay, you also you mentioned the Epic Level Handbook from 3.0, 3.5. There, uh, Pathfinder has something similar. It's called Mythic Adventures. It is where, it it it's another way of what Bruce just described earlier, where you are a normal character, you are walking among your fellow mortals, and then all of a sudden some event happens, and you are now above and beyond those around you and you now have the capability not well you can adventure in a higher plane but your level of adventuring has changed because of the gifts now inside you that have come to the fore so when we say epic level gaming bruce mentioned it wasn't just oh you've hit beyond 20th level that's epic level gaming no it is in in the mythic adventures book you could be first level and all of a sudden gain mythic power and as Bruce mentioned, it was, you know, it could be temporary. It could be you do this, you do it for the duration of the adventure, and then you go back to being immortal. <laughs> or you have this power, and now you are full-time into epic-level gaming, where you have these abilities which just normal people can't do this stuff. So that is another book that would pertain to this particular episode so we have two sources to draw upon as far as to help us and to help you listeners get more into the mindset of epic level gaming and what we're trying to express here right so the first the first point is is that it's not the same as being overpowered right it's not just a matter that you are you know it's not you're goliath and everybody else is 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 davy okay you know it's 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 not that you know, it, you're not just better than everybody. You're way better than everybody as far as whatever it is that we're, you're trying to do. Okay. Um, secondly, is is that your goals are now highly consequential. Okay? You're, you know, you're, you know, what you're doing is no longer, you know, something small like you know, writing some small wrong. You know, getting revenge on some minor slight. Okay, probably not even personal anymore. It's, it's not like, you know, whatever happened to you in your life, you just basically counted as loss and you go forward on these bigger, bigger issues. You know, issues like, 
saving the planet, um, uh, deposing an evil tyrant, um, uh, you know, uh, restoring a cosmic imbalance. Right. Thank you, uh, Trav. I mean, it has to be something, basically it has to be something that somebody would have to tell a story about. Something that will become legend, will become myth. Okay, it can't be anything minor. Okay, otherwise, it's not mythic. It's not, you know, epic. You know, so, um, and one of the things, you know, uh, and, and I'm, uh, we didn't really talk about this really yet, but this is this whole idea of epic level play is something that both the players and the GM have to fully buy into. They just absolutely have to do it because otherwise they're, they're going to be at odds with each other. You're going to be ticking off each other because, you know, what's, what's going to happen is some people are going to get it and other people are going to be wasting everybody else's time. Well, yeah, and, because, you know, like, yeah because you have... It, let's say the GM plans this epic level campaign where you're traversing planes and going through time and you have to, and and the stakes are, you know, the highest that they're ever going to be. The players all have, it has to be ingrained into them that this is, what's the phrase? This is for all the marbles. Right. And, and if you have players. These are the species, boys and girls. Yes. Endgame, as the, 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 the hot new buzzword in movies is. And if your players aren't in that mindset when they're playing this campaign, it will cause problems because they're not thinking big. Uh, right. We do have episodes on how big is big and scope from very early on in this podcast. You can refer to them later. We These subjects that we're exploring tonight have been touched on in various ways in those episodes. But yeah, everybody has to be on the same page with this or otherwise it's just not going to work. You're going to end up, everything's going to be very discordant because you're going to have some people with one agenda and others with another and an epic level gaming, everybody's got to be on board for it. Right. And you know, you can't have people spending a lot of the group time on their little personal side quests. Okay, you know, unless it directly um, benefits the overarching goal, um, and and in a significant way, it has to be really obvious that it will. You know, you just can't be finding that cat. You know, that some little girl lost. You've got things to do. Yeah, if yeah. you are, if yeah, you can't be. You know, like in the dead alewives sketch, trying to <clears throat> seduce the barmaid. Because, yeah, the, you have to destroy the artifact which has cursed the land, you know. It right. just, the, the the level of, um, what's it, priorities, people. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And see, I've tried to do this in in my Fringeworthy game, and I am I'm basically feel like I failed. Uh, because I just didn't quite get them to understand that what they were doing was, was really important, and they really had to focus on it, and... You know, and and one character I think does, but the other characters just didn't. You know, they just they were like, you know, oh, we're in a fantasy world, and and I'm a I'm a science fiction character, so let's see, uh, let me let me take advantage of that. Let me let me let me see if I can make myself a magic science fiction thing. You know, yeah, and, and it's it's a minor and it's a minor thing that they're doing. You know, just trying to cobble together things and try to do the coolness factor, being both magical and 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 science fictiony. And I'm like, dude, you know, it's that's great, but that's not what we're we're what's that's so, what's going so on. So it's like they're they're gaining vast arcane power so they can have creature comforts here. It's like, yeah, I made a techno magic refrigerator so our 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 beer's cold, dude. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So uh, players must restrain themselves from minor quests or quests that waste time. Big. It's really really hard, you know, for players to do that. Uh, because you've just given them a huge, you know, you know, a huge tool set to work with. You know, you, the cookie box is open, you know, and they're just like, oh, you know, let me try a little of this, let me try a little of that. It's like, no, no, you know, you are the you know chocolate eclair, and you need to stick with the chocolate eclair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> someone else gets to be the, the jelly donut, you know, and it's like, but, I, you know. Why can't we trade? Because all right, because you wouldn't do that in an epic level game. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, second thing, money not important anymore. Okay, I mean it shouldn't be. 
money will come because if you are the champion of some great cause, then there's a reason why you're championing it. And there's people that want you to champion it and they will come forth and they will provide what you need in order to handle all the mundane stuff. You will have patrons who will cover your expenses. Kingdoms will be, well, we need to get across, you know, this this horribly, you know, vicious desert that is just full of sandstorms and it's 120 degrees, you know, if there's shade. Oh, well, we have this conveyance, you know, it is all, let us, you know, take care of that. Yeah, 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 money, that mortal, yeah. mortal concerns like money just, yeah, because yeah. you are this adventuring company. Right. I mean, items that, you know, that, that were used by great-grandfather in the great conflict, okay, and, it's, and you've been telling stories about this item, you know, in your family. Suddenly, there's a better use for this item. This item can get even more glory by them lending it to you to use, um, and then, therefore, they get to be part of the greater glory story, too. So people will go and say, okay, this is just sitting here piling up dust. You need it. We don't, we don't want this item to be the reason that you fail at completing the quest that's saving us all. So they'll, they'll pony it up. You know, if you, you know, uh, if you make, if you make your cause clear and you, you know, and you stand as a shining example of what it is that you're trying to do. Because everyone, all eyes are going to be on you, you know, at, at all times. And so you have to realize that you're up on stage now. You know, you're part of a grander scheme, but you're still being watched. And that, you know, those, and if you're not careful, you know, that actually can be your downfall. If you're not, you know, uh, because people will watch you. And But if you are, in fact, you know, the you know the the epic level characters that you claim to be, then you know your people will under will 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 understand that you, that you are different and they will recognize the qualities that you exemplify. Okay, I I have okay I have sayings that I've made up over the years. I call them Travisms, and one of them came up to me while I was in college. There are only two things that truly matter in this world: image and results. If you gain one, you gain the other. If you lose one, you lose the other. If you have the image of being the BMF that is going to save the day, people will, they, they, oh, this is this champion, fine. We can help him. And I mean, they're not doing it for, right, mo most people when they help these champions, they're not going to do it for reputation. They're doing it because they know we need this guy to get the job done. And if we can help, great, cool, you know, it it, it 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 you know it, it furthers their thing along and so when these champions come walking into town to save the day and people are just like am i gonna help yeah and i mean it's a little bit of okay yeah because i can say that i mean they're not going to get written into the legend but just the fact that they can tell their grandkids when these people came into town to save us from this curse that covered the continent you know, I put them up the night so they could be rested and then they went into battle and they saved the day. I mean, there are some people, you know, the, the guy that might put up the plaque outside his tavern, these adventurers drank here, you know, but usually it's just out of a sense of um, just do, helping they, that, knowing that they helped in getting the right thing done. And it's yeah. because this image that these champions have, these epic level characters, they get the results. Right. People will fall over each other in order to help you if you're the champion. Mm -hmm. And and it's really not, you know, it, it, it's not like, you know, they're trying to uh, gain, you know, rub off some of that glory on themselves. I mean, they may want that, but they'll do it anyways. Again, because, the, the plaque outside the tavern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, but, okay, so to go and, and, and pull it back a little bit and say, all right, there, there has to be some kind of interfacing with the system, all right? So, uh, so for example, all relevant skills that you need in, in, in order to complete your, to be part of this quest, 
should be above what a master in that skill could do. And there's a very strong possibility that you have the ability to do something special. In that the, even a master can't. Yeah, in the epic level handbook, they have epic skills. They have how you can... Uh, I'll give the perfect example. And I mean, I can bring it into Pathfinder. The epic level handbook is easy enough to just... If you do the mental conversion, you can use it for Pathfinder, which, remember, it's basically D&D 3.75. But somebody has actually done a netbook and done the necessary conversions to play epic level games with Pathfinder. And as I said, they just reworked the 3.5. But in, well, in 3.5, they call it diplomacy or gather information. They lumped it into diplomacy for Pathfinder. They have this penalty. Now, mind you, it's not a penalty to make things bad. It's called avoid suspicion. You take a minus 20 to your diplomacy or gather information check. And if your skill is that high, you can get the information you need and the people, the NPCs don't even know they're given information. You weave it into conversation and they talk to you and just, oh yeah, it's this and this and this. They may realize later, oh crap, I just told this guy everything because he was just that smooth and that slick and just, he talked to me and just, yeah, I, what what's that word for mean girls? Word vomit. Um, <laughs> and just. So Diarrhea that, of the mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What's the old Polish phrase? Polish phrase, and sadly, I heard a lot in my youth. Your mouth runs like a duck's butt. So I said, "Ducks on the corner giving you a modium," you know. Um, but the epic level handbook has plenty of epic skill usages, and besides the diplomacy, let me give. And I mean, some of these you just look and you're like, "Yeah, right." But it's the whole point. I mean, you could chalk it up to, um, oh, what is it? Like wuxia level stuff. Uh, example, the climb skill. DC 70, a perfectly smooth, flat vertical surface. DC 100, a perfectly smooth, flat overhang or ceiling. Basically, if your skill is high enough, you can do spider climb. So that means you have to have just the ridiculous plus 80 to 90 to your climb check. But that's because that is just how epic you are. You were a... You know, back in the days of when you were just a mere mortal, you were, uh, what's the term? Good. Well, cat burglar, second story man kind of thing. But now that you realize that you have been called to a higher calling, your skills now have been jacked up to the point where, yeah, this person could climb upside down just because he's that good. Uh, Another one. Real quick, I'll, I'll give one more example here. Swimming. DC 80, swimming up a waterfall. And... Minus 20 speed swimming, you can you take a minus penalty on that check. You can swim your speed as a move equivalent action or double your speed as a full round action. And just, as I said, a lot of this stuff, you, you read it and you're like, okay, really climbing, you know, upside down and swimming up waterfalls. Yeah, a lot of it does come off as your wuxia level, you know, like... um. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Limu Bai, Chow Yun-Fat's character, bouncing atop the bamboo stalks and doing the whole sword fight with um, Zhang Ziyi's character as the bamboo is bending and they're weaving back and forth and every time they get near each other, you know, 15 sword clashes. And then they... That's epic level type gaming. Because these characters are just... Even the people around them know, they knew, Limu Bai oh my gosh, he was the most incredible swordsman in China and he had green destiny. That would be an example of these skills that are just so high that normal people can't do them. And so it has given them that image of just, this man can't be mortal. He's that good at doing this. But right. yeah. It, they have a sort of a, a je ne sais quoi about how they use their skills too. It's To them, it's all, you know, it's effortless what they do. Yes. Uh, as, uh, in the Stainless Steel Rat novels, uh, Slippery Jim would pick locks while walking through the door doorway. He literally, as he just reach out, pick the lock, turn the handle, walk through. No, no break in, in, in his stride. Nobody would see him do it. He literally just look like he reached over and opened the door, and just kept on going, and 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 and, and close it on the other side. Um, uh, that would disarming. be a, that would be yeah. a plus one hundred to the. To make it a free action to disable device. 
<laughs> right. I mean, I don't know what it is. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, but like, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of things like that, you know, where uh, 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 you just don't just disarm your opponent. You throw their sword someplace outrageous, you know, like, you know, all, all the way up and, and, and you know, in the eyes of a, of a, of a, um, of a or uh, up and it comes down and stabs them to the top of the head. Yeah. I mean, yeah. crazy stuff like that. Uh, cutting off an opponent's clothing but not leaving a mark. Or making a thousand cuts that open all open simultaneously. I mean, just... Oh, I'm, some... see I'm seeing that in anime form, too, just like, you know, anime right. sword fight. Yeah. Yeah, the person who gets cut and and the and, and the cut is so fine that they don't know they don't even know that they're bisected until their body slides apart. You know, yeah. And buildings, they do that too. The whole buildings, yeah, yeah. It's 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 something where it's almost as if the laws of reality for a moment <coughs> are 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 suspended to allow people to appreciate what just happened. Hmm. Okay. So you know, and and so you you have. Uh, when you play this kind of thing, the GM or the players have to in in invoke some kind of extra mechanic, whether it's it's drama points, uh, whether it's you know um, something where the basically the the they the player gets to to narrate what just happened in the most flamboyant, outrageous way possible. Okay, I got two examples of that. <laughs> In Pathfinder, the Mythic Adventures, you have this concept known as the Mythic Surge. Now, besides the hero points that it, that are brought about in Advanced Player Guide, I believe, which if you spend one for a skill or a d20 roll or whatever, you get to add a plus eight. Now, if you add it after you roll, but before you are told pass-fail, it's down to a plus four. Well, Mythic Adventures has the extra... Mythic Surge. Now, as you go through the 10 Mythic Tiers, it starts off as a D6, then it goes to a D8, and then finally a D10. But you can add that to any D20 roll as well, and you get a number of uses per day, depending on how how many tiers you have. Now, you regain these as you sleep. So the next day, oh, I've got my all my Mythic uses back, and I can do these incredible stunts again, and now... As far as the description that you talked about, yeah, uh, third party from Scorched Earth Studios called Guro Strike, G U R O dash Strike, and basically the way the mechanic is: full round action, attack of opportunity attracts. You make a strength check against DC ten plus one third of the current hit points of the enemy, the opponent. If you succeed on this strength check. You destroy your opponent, and the player gets to describe, okay, I'm fighting with a Claymore, and I make the Guro strike DC whatever strength check. I split him down the middle, you know, and and his halves fall. And you can just be as grotesque if you want, because it's based on the the very graphic anime fighting that, you know, you're seeing people disemboweled and all that. But yeah, that is that that it evokes an ability that normal people can't do, just because they are that. What what's that? B b killing is my business, and business is good. Yeah, and so this Guro strike would be an example. And you can take feats to augment it. You could do it with a spell. You can do it with a firearm. You could throw somebody into some environmental factor, like oh, it's an electrical board, or you know, it's sharp spikes on a wall or whatever and so you can get feats to augment this but the girl strike is an example of just incredible ways to do damage in combat that if you learn to do it you just obliterate your opponent because you're that good at combat so yeah as soon as you mentioned both the extra mechanic and the descriptive those are the two things that came to mind for me that are in OGL and they and they work. I've used both of them, and it just I uh, the mythic campaign, my um, Friday night uh, bureau thirteen pass campaign. The characters are mythic, which means they they've been affected by the forces of time because they kept bouncing around in time. It's like okay, you want to be immortal, fine. So now these characters have mythic abilities where yeah, they're doing things that heck even normal bureau agents can't do. 
because they are kind of unwilling agents of the very concept of time. And so they have that mythic surge that when they are going to do something really massive, and these characters are already like 13th level, so I mean, they're no slouches. I Like I said, you want to blow that mythic point? <laughs> yep, and they pick up that D8. <laughs> Because they know they're going to need it. Yeah. So yeah, um, often in a campaign you have to either find or make up mechanics to help these players. And if you're dealing with the threats, you know, the, the, the NPC <laughs> monsters and opponents get to use them too. You have to find new mechanics in order to bestow abilities upon those involved in the story to allow them to do these grandiose actions in and out of combat. Those are just two examples that I gave there. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Okay, so um, others begin to notice that you are different. Uh, in the, uh, seri the, the science fiction series The Lensman by E. Doc Smith, they refer to people, even before they got chosen to be Lensmen, they could tell because they had the look of eagles in their eyes. You should start having bonuses to intimidation and persuasion you know, do just doing uh, because you are a higher, you know, you're a higher being, basically. You know, you, you, uh, so when you say something, people listen. Uh, when you do something, people watch. So that's why I was talking about being up on stage, but it also means that you have a larger chance to influence people simply because people recognize that you are an important player, that you are a mover and shaker. You're literally, you know, they, they see you for being, you know, separate from the common herd. And, and, and they will, in most cases, they will uh, give way, give way to you to let you have what you want. You know, when you see these in, in movies where somebody, you know, somehow manages to just, you know, go, you know, cross a crowd like, you know, the, like, like Moses splitting the Red Sea, they just, you know... <laughs> Everyone just stands back and lets them pass. No one goes, well, I was trying really hard to get up there myself, and this this guy just goes right by me like it's nothing. You know, what, you know, they, they don't even think twice about it. They're like, this, this, this was right. It had to happen. Yeah. Now I'm going to get back and struggle with everybody else trying to get over there. Meanwhile, they've already gone through and done whatever they need to do. Because, you know, and it's because you are... Epic, and people know it. There are times when I run the games, and this is in all four of the campaigns I'm doing, not just the, the Mythic Bureau 13 game, that I just let them know, okay, this is one of those moments. You've come into this place, and, and we all know what it is. If you've watched the old westerns, you know what moment I'm talking about. The main character or the bad guy walks into the saloon. And it is loud, it's raucous, you got the saloon girls up on the stage, you got poker games playing everywhere, you got the guy jamming away on the piano, and that person comes to the door and everything stops. Because you know the BMF, good or bad, white hat or black hat, has walked into the saloon and everybody there knows it. And then after a while, as he looks around, it's almost like that person gives the look of at ease. And, every, and, and the clamor starts up, the saloon girls start dancing, the piano starts playing again. <laughs> but yeah, it's that type of where just, you know, that is the person to watch. That is the man to beat. And it just, in, in epic level gaming, you get that. And I've, there are times, I've, as I said, I've explained it to my players. I'm like, okay, you're walking through the streets. And you just see the people. It's kind of like in the campaign world. It's my own way of letting them know. Okay, you've made it. Even if they're, if, even if I'm not doing epic level gaming, I mean, it helps if you do it in this. But just these characters have been playing for a long time. You know, the, the couple <coughs> years, and so you get to the, they get to this place, and all of a sudden they realize. They say, yeah, you start people just sort of. You know, you're you're being given a wide berth, and enough of my players they've they've been in my groups long enough, they take advantage of it because they realize okay we've made it to this certain plateau where the common man will just part like the Red Sea because they know that we are <coughs> the stuff, and so they act accordingly. Yeah. Some of them take it a little too far, and I'm like, all right, settle down. But you know, they get <coughs> to that point. 
in epic level gaming, your characters are going to do that everywhere. Yeah, and a lot of times it has to do with the fact that you are on a quest. I mean, you know that you're doing something important. You know that what you're doing is more important than what anybody else here is doing. And it translates into your actions, into your attitude, and everything else. And so, yeah, you know when you come into town that the, that the mayor or the, uh, the the commissioner or the cap, you know, uh, Castilian or whoever is going to talk to you because what you have to say they need to hear, and they're going to hear it because. It, well, at the that? very well, at the very least, they're going to be the. Okay, the person running the town, whatever, fill in the name of, you know, Mayor, Burgermeister, Castellan, whatever. They know that these obviously influential people have come into their city. Now, whether, oh, they're going to drop some coin, they have something important going on, or they're going to bring trouble to my city, they're going to want to talk to them and find out what can they do to help, what are they going to do to... Because if you get people like that walking into the city, people like that of an epic level, they tend to attract um, like-powered but anathematically-minded peers, <laughs> to put it in a euphemistic way. It's like, yeah, these guys look like they're BMFs, and that probably means that they're going to bring... You know, some trouble here. There's probably someone either hunting them or they're going to try to stop them. And you've seen it, the epic level fighters, and they're in a town, and all of a sudden, um, perfect example, the recent Dark Tower movie with Idris Elba, where he's in the town and him and Jake are trying to get to the portal to come back to Earth, and the sorcerers, Reavers, are there because they know he's there. So what do they do? They shut down the power, the, the turbine that they managed to keep going. And they're there basically starting trouble and, you know, slapping around and killing the townsfolk. And there's Roland Deschain all of a sudden, you know, drops one with his gun. Yeah, they knew that gunslinger was in town. But if a gunslinger's in town, he's there for a reason. So, you know, after a while, these townspeople were like, okay, yeah, the gunslinger's in town. He's fighting this epic battle. The sorcerer, the man in black, is going to be bring, sending his guys to stop him or take him out or, you know, you know, find some way to inhibit him. And unfortunately, it's going to be right here in our very town. So, yeah, when these people come in, you know, the mayor or the castle or whatever, and see these people, they're going to want to talk to them to find out what's going on. If, yes, we're going to help you with your quest. Or is there, okay, you got people chasing you or are there people trying to stop you? And if so, am I going to have to rebuild this town afterwards? <laughs> am I going to need to, you know, like, you know, just rebuild from scratch because your, your enemies decided to try to make a stand and stop you here in my town square, you know? So I, I noticed that when you said that. I was just like, wait a minute. Yeah, they're, they're, they want to talk, but it's not just because, ooh, you're powerful and you, you have, you know, people part for you. It's like you get that vibe that they're something more. And, oh, God, it was in Civil War, Vision. He made the remark about how if superheroes are around supervillains are going to rise to meet them. It was when Vision and all them were talking about the Sokovia Accords. And just, it reminded me of that when you brought that up, that, yeah, if you're going to have these powerful forces of good walking around, the powerful forces of evil are not often far away. They're often nearby. So these townspeople are going to be wondering, you know, the ones who recognize that these are beings of power. Mm -hmm. That, okay, am I, as I said, am I going to need to be cleaning up my townspeople with a squeegee and a mop because you guys have this massive battle that leveled the city, you know? They're going to want to find out what's going on if only to determine if there's going to be a danger to them. And that's something that a GM would want to role play. It's like, oh, yes, you are the champions that have 
crossed the mighty mountains and you have come through the desert and all, you know, you have let nothing stop you in your quest. Is this another place where you're going to be having people not stop you in your quest? Am I going to have to evacuate my town so you can have it out with these beings? You know, as I said, that would be something really good to roleplay for, you know, an epic level campaign is that facet about, yeah, this epic struggle you're in, how does it affect the common man? Because it still will. You know that the Battle of Helm's Deep was, you know, the, the, the normal people still heard that battle and saw the the wherewithal there. It's like, yeah, they just sort of, oh, something's brewing over there in the distance. Yeah, looks like our shipment of grain's going to be late this week, you know. Let's stay away from that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like, oh. That's a point where you're not even curious. Yeah, you're just like, okay, I'm hearing a lot of noise, a lot of drama over there. I'm good. I'm going to play over here to the west. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you're seeing the Gondor, the mountain fires being lit to alert Rohan. You're seeing that farmer that, you know, grows the grain for Minas Tirith going, yeah, it's going to, yeah, we're going to hunker down here for a while. <laughs> yep. We'll harvest tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> If there is a tomorrow. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going, I'm not taking my ox out there. I'm going to get hit with some, you know, orc launching a catapult, you know, a trebuchet. You know, no. Yeah, sometimes it's time to go inside, get yourself a, you know, open up a bottle of fine wine and pour yourself a glass and just appreciate the peace that you have. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because it's not going to last. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And besides which, why should the bad guys get your fine wine? Yeah, you exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Ugh. Okay, but um, you as characters are going to change, okay? Because as you begin to exemplify these um, oh, uh, ideals, uh, these roles, uh, these aspects, you are going to uh, change in the way you deal with people. You know, the good will become genteel. And gracious, evil will become dominating and demeaning. You know, it's it's uh, you're you're going to find yourself polarizing, uh, exaggerating what you do. Yeah, many uh, many aspects of personality become extremes. I notice. Yeah, that you have the good are damn near angelic. The evil, I mean, take a just take a look at you know the even the troops of Saruman and Sauron in Lord of the Rings. These were some scary beings, even though, you know, you had, yeah, the orcs and the goblins were all there. And then you saw the Urukai, like the orc ogre half-breeds. Those were some scary MFs. When I saw Lord of the Rings, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years ago when it was out, I'm looking at these and just going, oh, that's not good. You know, just yeah. because I... Yeah, they weren't, they weren't just bigger orcs. Right. They, they, they were a whole... New oh, class of yes. brutality. Yeah, you knew that, okay, if I get my butt kicked by an orc, fine. I'd rather take the butt kicking from the orc than the eight-foot-tall, keloid-scarred, you know, fanged being with the club that at one time was a tree. You know, I'd rather just, you know, have the orc slap me around a little because I don't want none of that over there. And just, the villains are just that, and then, of course, you had to deal with, you know, if, if you were lucky, you just got, you know, slapped around by the Uruk High. Then you got this guy with no face, you know, riding a dragon, you know, <laughs> coming in looking for a ring. You know, it's like, no, there's a matter of scale here. Give me, you know, the goblin with the pickaxe as opposed to gruesome there on the dragon, you know. <laughs> but just, <coughs> and, and concepts of i'm trying to find the right words for the diametrically you have virtue versus depravity you have the person who would make the ultimate sacrifices and killing you know harming or threatening children and women are the things that just set him off and then you have the guy who would do that stuff yeah, you stop being the person who threatens to do that stuff and starts being the person who does do Oh, yeah, that he, stuff. He, he walks the walk and talks. Each walk the walk and talk the talk in their own way. And you know they will do it. You know by looking at them or seeing them in a game. If I GM right 
and I have this epic level game and this guy who is just <clears throat> a rodent of illegitimate descent. Figure it out, folks. You'll figure out what I'm saying. If I evoke with the right tone and mannerisms and even if I have a picture, my players are going to know, okay, that is the one to beat because he is the one who will stop at nothing to stop us. He will threaten women and children. He will destroy things, you know, like he'll destroy the aqueduct and try to flood us. He will, you know, cause an avalanche to bury the town. Nothing is off limits to this being. And meanwhile, you have the people who will stop him and will do so in the name of everything that is just and kind and holy and good. Everything is diametrically opposed. Everything as far as ethos and morality is bigger and just more prevalent. I mean, you see it there. You know it is the white hats versus the black hats. There's really no shades of gray from what I've seen in what would constitute as a quote-unquote epic level story is what we're talking about here. You're on one side or the other end of discussion. What, what was that phrase from They Live that Roddy Piper said? Middle of the road's always the worst place to drive. So you are picking one side or the other in these battles. Right, and, and because these characters are so polarized, you have to. Because it's like, if I'm going to be with that person, then I'm going to have to, like, as you said, walk the talk. You know, or I have to be willing to do whatever it takes because, you know, they're, otherwise, I'm, A, I'm going to be an impediment and that usually is going to end up badly for me. And B, is that, um, you know, they're calling me. Your example is calling me to a more extreme form. And so, you know, something inside you and the people around you should be answering that call that you're making. Oh yeah, I when I see these type of characters in such a movie or a TV series or whatever. Yeah, they... and and okay, uh, and where I see the biggest problem, and, and as we talked at the beginning about people not understanding that you're playing an epic level game, is this is where people think you can have, you know, people who are good and evil in the same party. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, uh, one word on how that worked out. Boromir. Yeah. Yeah, he was seduced by the power of the... And again, no spoilers here. Lord of the Rings is almost, <laughs> you know, a 75-year-old book. Uh, Boromir, Sean Bean's character, he gets seduced by the power of the ring, and he tries to take it from Frodo. At first, oh, I'm trying to assume your burden, and then tries to take it forcibly. It is that last minute of, oh, crap, he ran... Oh, here's the orcs. He knew he messed up. Giving Frodo time to escape to complete the quest by offering his own life. Basically, and you saw it. Anybody who see, he became a pincushion. Yeah, it but he also redeemed himself. Yeah, he did. It was a matter of redemption at the last moment because he realized he let himself be tempted by that ring. He was not strong enough to carry it, and the, the temptation to steal the ring in in the very evilness that the ring was it disguised itself as no no you want to take the burden from frodo because you're trying to be kind to him oh he says no just take the damn ring and when he and he even lamented over it and that's when he realized okay i screwed up right and, and you and as a player and a gm you should expect that there will these be these moments of huge self-sacrifice because the other characters, the NPCs, are going to get to a point where they realize we can't keep up with this. You know, we can't we can't do whatever is necessary to win through to the end. So we need to make we need to make our stand where we can and and give that little extra to the heroes, the people that will complete the task, so that they can complete the task. So even you know the people that were the the, the screwballs, the the uh, sleaze balls, whatever you know, the ones that that you didn't have any real use for. They were, you know, they they may rally at the end and suddenly uh, and suddenly do the you know the big sacrifice because they know that it's the only way that they can for a moment shine as bright as as the epic heroes. You do realize there's an example I want to use right now, but it would be spoilerific and I can't do oh, it. Be, yeah, yeah, don't do it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen Endgame yet. At all? Oh. At, I, 
I have been avoiding everything. Oh, man. Well, yeah, that's true. I haven't seen you much on the internet. That's why. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it twice already, and I'm just like, there is this one example. Darn it, I can't say anything. Yeah, but... Right. Um, but, but your your mention of... Al- Aliens 2, you know, where the... The the the, uh, the the girl that, that is one of the ones that carries the the, the big uh, uh, the big machine gun, you know, and the captain, you know, and they're and they're basically side by side. They're both injured. They're both going to die. The aliens are coming, and she's and she turns to him and she says she she says you know I always hated you, and he says yeah he's like yeah okay, <laughs> and they start firing it. At the uh, uh, you know at, at the aliens and die while Ripley and the rest escape, you know and and you hear these two people that were basically not should not have been together engaging in a in a dramatic heroic moment but they were because that's that's how the ships fell and they both were willing to put that aside to 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 shine in that moment because that was all they could do. So that's that's what the kind of examples I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And the players have to be willing to let those people do that. I mean, I you know, there's going to be people who say, "No, I I've got to save them," you know. And it's like, no, dude, this is this is their moment. They they, they you can't save them. You we got to keep moving. We got to get to the to the MacGuffin and and you know and and plug the you know the oscillating overdriver into. Yeah. Um, you know, if we we they're they're giving us time to do that. I, so get you know get a move on, little doggy. I had a, a moment like that in a previous Friday night game where it was, I I would consider an epic level game because I had my, and these were all second stringers. This was like a spinoff campaign of the old con campaign I ran, the Guad Three and Ambassadors. This campaign afterwards was. These were the people who didn't quite make the cut because they didn't get to the important part at on time. So they were picked up by like, okay, one of the people that was important picked all these people up and said, okay, you still have a use. Well, my big bad was a computer intelligence merely known as the Transcendence, which could animate with nanites, even technomagic stuff. So after a while, a lot of the stuff that they had, they couldn't use. It either had to be straight magic or biotech. But, so we had this massive war. You had all the forces of good, all the people on this planet against this advancing tech army. Colleen's character, a paladin, who was kind of, you know, behind the scenes, and we all joked at her, yeah, lawful boring over here. She pulls the sacrifice by basically giving herself up to the concept of time so they could rewind something to do it right. And the running joke was that, yeah, she was the goofball, you know, everybody picked on her because she was so, um, just stayed and she was the wet blanket. Colleen played it wonderfully. And I rewarded her for it because, yeah, she was, you know, everybody gave her crap and all that. I said, okay, you're going to do this fine. She pulls it off, sees what she did. You know, she sat in on, you know, the aftermath of her character Dawn's sacrifice. And it was funny. I said, yeah, problem is you get erased from existence. But there is a statue in the courtyard after the battle is won. Well, who's this person? I'm reading the plaque here. I don't remember ever hearing of this person. <laughs> Yet, you know, so yeah. When the mess up, this the, the, the... The screwball gets that chance to help advance the quest. That's that buy-in that Bruce always talks about. That, okay, you're realizing that this until now inconsequential person did something to help you guys out. What the player should properly do is say, okay, we have been given this chance by this guy that we gave a lot of crap to. You know, we, you know, give him grief all the time. He was our comic relief, and he just gave us a chance to save the day. Let's not let his noble sacrifice go in vain. And if you play these epic level games with the heart that it takes to, you know, deal with these grandiose themes, your players will even feel like, okay, no, this was done. This was done for a reason. We need to, you know, it'll it'll give them, let's say if they're the characters are feeling a little um, downtrodden because they just feel like their backs are against the wall okay, we've been given an opening, let's do this. And if you get, a, and I, it, it, it sounds a little corny, but 
yeah, you're given that chance to you get you've gained a respite. You've gotten hope, which hope is one another one of the big concepts that you deal with when you are doing an epic level game because often the forces that you're fighting against are looking to to squelch and bring down that one last ray of hope that will keep, you know, humanity or whatever still fighting. They are looking to end that. So if that one screwball character gets that that last ray of hope, gives them, you know, that that chance that hope is still there, the players, the characters both will see that and take that advantage to, you know, get the job done. Um yeah, with with that that's one of the things that epic level playing is supposed to evoke. It it evocative, that's the term. It is a very evocative style of play because you are dealing with such topics that hit to the core of everybody. Hope being one of them. One of the greatest human emotions of all. Because with hope, almost anything can be done. And so in the campaign, that is something that the GM has to help perpetuate that, okay, if you don't do this, all hope is lost. Again, endgame. And I know we're using the term too much, but it it's the best term. So yeah, see, in 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 app level play, you're not looking for the GM to give you those those shiny moments. You're taking them, but you're because you are who you are, and those things should follow organically from who you are and what you're doing. So that you know, it's uh, more often than not, the GM is is just steering you in the direction that that that, that, that she wants you to go, rather than dragging you, you know, for uh to you know from one you know set piece to another set piece you know you're you're constantly trying to to reach that 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 moment that that you know and, and having these moments along the way as you do it uh so and you're gonna and if you really buy into this you're gonna get a feeling of pacing from this you're gonna get a a, a kind of a i don't know like a drumming you know inside of yourself where which is like you know we've got to get to the next part where you know because we're running out of time or, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, uh, it's, it, you know, we, I just want to see what happens when we get there. I mean, you should have some anticipation. If the GM's doing a good job, if you're the players are doing a good job, then it's going to be more like, boy, I wonder what, what we're going to do next. You know, that that's the kind, you know, because you have all the resources you need to do it. You've got the power, you've got the resources as like materials and stuff like that. You've got the people supporting you. You've got, you know, everything that you need in order to have an epic storyline. And the only thing that could possibly hold you back is each other. So that's why I talk about how there has to be this enormous buy-in. Literally, it rises or falls on the players. Oh, yeah. It's not really, it's not, the GM, you know, the GM could have a really lousy goal, okay? But the players can make it great. By just simply, you know, and and I, there has been times when I have, you know, I I have been playing Bureau Thirteen, and the players came up with a much better end end game than I did, and I said, okay, that's what's happening. <laughs> Never told them that. They were like, Bruce, you're awesome. How did you ever? How did you ever figure out that was the best? You know, you, you know, and we're so smart for figuring it out. And I'm just like, you know, you guys are amazing, and I'm gonna let you just, yeah. You know, yeah. Have a great time with this because, see, because they, they wanted to do it. It was their idea. They thought it was cool. So, like, why would I get in the way of that? That's just crazy. Well, dumb, yeah, that, you know? that's the part of this all being collaborative storytelling. 99% yeah. of the time, the GM comes up with the plot. But there's just that one time where the players will take it down a different road and you're like, yeah, this works. Let's do it. Don't say better. a word. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you kind of, a good GM knows that, and uh, you and I have both had this where we come up with an idea and just, yeah, you know, when what what's that phrase that Patton said? All plans work until they uh, all survive. No, yeah, no plan no, survives no, contact no, with no the enemy. No plan ever survives first contact with the enemy. Right, exactly. And I mean, we're not saying this that GMs and players should have an adversarial relationship. No, it's just we will sit there and plot out to the bet. We may spend weeks, months trying to plot out an adventure and the players will just come up with some new branch or thing that comes up better and a good gym will be like yeah okay mine didn't work out let's use this the players are having fun i stay on my toes and help them along with the story cool just and just let it go bruce just said it you know it's like yeah you guys did great and don't say anything fake it till you make it just <laughs> 
Well, I mean, because and that's the whole thing is, is that, you know, I, the people who see players and GMs as adversarial, I mean, they have missed the boat. It was never that way. It was never supposed to be no. that way. But but at epic level play, it can't be. I mean, yes, the G, the GM is coming up with the big bat that you have to deal with, sure. But everybody is working together for them to be glorious. Yeah, you can't you can't fight the GM. I mean, the only way that a fight's going to happen in an epic level game is if everybody is not buying into it. If you're going to have those one or two players that just aren't in the epic gaming. This is Bruce Sheffer saying. There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027. Gaming on the Frontier.